delighted that you have found the Mindset Mentor Meets podcast. I'm Angela Cox, your host and indeed the Mindset Mentor, and I'll be interviewing executives and founders at the top of their game to find out what lies beneath. I want to know what makes people proud, how they define success, what holds them back and indeed what drives them forward. This is authentic and natural conversation with the best in the business. So listen in, enjoy and if you love what you hear, please do leave a review. And now over to today's guest. Welcome to today's podcast. I hope that you are doing well. I am excited today because in front of me on the Zoom screen, I have Leanne Culloden. Now, Leanne is the Strategic Account Director for Mighty, but she's also one of my really good friends. I've known her now for, oh God, it must be three years. She is a wife and a mom. She's a businesswoman. She's a leader. And she is so many more exciting things as well, which I'm sure she'll talk about during the podcast. Leanne, it's an absolute joy to have you smiling down the screen. How are you this morning? I am really well. Thank you so much for having me on today. I'm really excited. Oh, it's just a joy. And it's nice to see you because I'm looking at you on the Zoom screen and behind you is a beautifully decorated lounge because you've just done lots of home improvements. And the last time I saw you, it was like plaster behind you so you finally got it finished yes I did I'm feeling zen I'm feeling <laughs> calm I am no longer looking at rubble or <laughs> anything so I am happy <laughs> oh I don't know how you did it because you literally like turned the whole house upside down so you are a better woman than me I would have gone crazy so it looks gorgeous I'm really glad that it's all finished now obviously I've invited you on the podcast it's been a long time coming And we're going to talk about your proudest moments. And I can imagine there are many, and I bet it's been hard for you to pick the three. But let's start with your first one and let's see where that takes us, because it could be anywhere today. It could. And you're right. I had to think long and hard about what I was going to select, because there are so many personal, work-related moments of pride. And It goes without saying that I am a mum. So that is definitely the most proudest moment in my life so far is becoming a mum. It's my little boy. But I decided to keep things on the work-related, personal-related items. So my first proudest moment is my first real taste of independence, I'm going to call it. So when I was almost 19, I decided to up sticks and go and live in Mallorca. Randomly, after booking a two-week holiday with a friend of mine, we decided we were going to stay over there and get some work. And looking back now, I think, wow, this was the days before mobile phones, smartphones, internet was just coming out, really. We were like 50p in the phone box. Yeah, Is it one of those? All of that, yeah. <laughs> and I just think now the actual torture that my parents must have gone through at me just up and sticks. They had no idea when I was going to be in touch with them or how to get in touch with me. So just absolutely bizarre now that I look at it. But the reason why I've chosen that as one of the proudest moments is because it was my first real taste of independence. And 
I would absolutely encourage everybody to take themselves out of their environment mm-hmm. where they grow up, go to school, hang around with, you know, the people that are around them where they grow up and go and meet new people, go off to a different place. And lots of people do get that experience from going to university in different cities, living in halls of residence, mm-hmm. in a gap year out, all of that sort of stuff. And I was that age. But I always knew from an early age that I did not want to go to university, much to many people's dismay. But I always, always knew that I did not want to do it. Now, I'm very studious. I soak up learning. I do every course that's available. I'm interested in lots of different things, as you know. And I just knew that I didn't want to go to university. I always used to study the teletext. Remember teletext? Yeah. (laughs) You're showing your age now, Leanne. (laughs) Completely showing me age when I'm doing But I used to go on teletext and they had jobs boards, jobs pages on teletext. And I was too young to apply for these jobs. But I'd scour the teletext and I'd write things down and I'd one day dream of applying for these jobs. Oh, wow. Go and get this job and I'm going to go to work. And it was all very grown up and exciting and cool. And I just knew that I wanted to get out and work and not go to university. But I did decide to get out of the environment. And I went over to Mallorca for only a very short time. So the pride doesn't come from what I did over there, which was just working in bars and things like that. But the pride comes from actually taking that massive, massive Mm -hmm. leap at a very young age to say, I'm going to put myself into a different situation. It's all going to be brand new. I actually don't know what's coming. I do not know what happens when that two week holiday ends and we decide not to get on the plane home. So for me, that's a really proud moment Mm -hmm. because I met a lot of amazing people from different parts of the world. I learned a lot about human behavior. I actually learned to manage money really well because I had to. There was none of this, mom, can I <laughs> bank of dad and mom? <laughs> so I learned a lot about basically living as an adult. And yeah, I had a lot of fun times. I met some great people that I'm still in touch with to this day and how our lives have changed mm. since all of that, you know, many, many years ago. But that is really one of the moments that I'll always take with me is to say, I actually got off my backside and mm. did something crazy and random that nobody else was doing in my circle. And I did it. And yeah. And courageous. Me- yeah, really Such courageous. A courageous step. Because I'd always grown up not feeling like it was courageous. You have various limiting beliefs, don't you, as you grow mm. up. One of them for me wasn't about having courage, but obviously I did and I went off and did that. So by doing that, it led me onto a path for the rest of my life and the way I shaped my relationships the way I decided to operate at work where I decided to live all of that it came from that experience so I'm really proud of that and just talk to me about that bit in terms of the way that you decided to shape your relationships what was the learning from that experience that you've taken into building relationships with other people so because I met a lot of people from all over the world, it was different personalities, different characters, mm. larger than life personalities over in foreign countries, as you can appreciate. And, you know, one size doesn't fit all. And I think when we grow up, we're conditioned, aren't we, to believe that we need to behave in a certain way, act in so a certain way, speak in a certain way to people, look a certain way, you know, to a degree as well. So for me, I learned about everyone's differences and diversity. And that's helped me to understand Mm -hmm. and work in collaboration better with people, definitely in a work sense. But on a personal level, understanding people's differences and finding friendships in places I wouldn't have found them as well. 
which is great. Oh, it's just it's so calm in listening to you today, but so joyous as well to hear that courage. And there's part of me sitting here wondering whether we were more courageous in our teens, late teens, because of the lack of responsibility that we had versus now in adulthood when we're surrounded by, as you say, you've got Charlie, you know, we have houses, we have relationships, we have jobs. And I'm wondering whether it's more difficult to make those courageous steps. And it might not be that we go and move to Mallorca or another place, you know, for a period of time, but there is that essence of that 18, 19 year old version of us that exists that can just foster that courage and take it into an experience of trying something new. Yeah. And it's like that analogy, isn't it, of being on a roller coaster. So when you're young, you'll go on everything, you'll go on all the loops, yeah. and as you get older, you develop this fear about actually going on these things and you'll say oh no I'll leave you to go on that and, you know you don't push yourself do you in terms of your fears and I think people allow fear to take over mm. and it stops them from progressing in many areas of their life especially work we see that all the time yeah you know, how, how many people are still in the same jobs they were years ago just because they are too scared to make that jump because of yeah. what it might mean for them I'm a big believer in always trying to push yourself out of that comfort zone, whether that is going abroad to a foreign country and doing your own thing, or whether that is deciding to actually fill the application form and go after (laughs) or everything in between. You know, you have to recognize what your fears are and then really try and push yourself out there. That's what growth is. I love that. And, And if there's one thing I know about you, you are a definite action taker. So there might be fear there, but you'll take that first step towards this new thing that you want to do. And then almost like the momentum builds and it carries you. So, I mean, if you were going to put anything on your CV, that would be right at the top of it <laughs> in terms of, you know, you get stuff done and you, you, you know, you step over those risks and just make it happen. And it's one of the things I love about you. So tell me about your second one then. So the second one is probably more of an action taken thing, actually. So I was working in a management position at Mighty. So I've been at Mighty for 12 years now. I started as a temp. No! Yeah, I started as a temp and managed to not ever get rid of me. So (laughs) Oh, they wanted to keep you because you're so fabulous. They did, yeah. (laughs) I started as a temp and then I very quickly got my first management role. And then... That was in another part of the country. So again, action taken. A role came up. It wasn't where I'm based in Liverpool, as you can tell by the accent for anyone listening. <laughs> so I decided to up sticks and move to Leeds at that point. And I did do that for a, a period of time, but I wanted to come back over here. Mm-hmm. So an opportunity presented itself where they were looking for someone to lead a project. And the project was around mobilising a brand new contract where it was in the nuclear industry. It was a nuclear regulated site. And they were looking to start from scratch with a huge team of security officers as they were demobilising the civil nuclear constabulary from the site, which is basically armed police. Mm. And they wanted Mighty to take that over. And I was chosen to lead that project. And I'd probably been in management for Mighty about two to three years at that point but being asked to take that on was still a little bit of a oh my goodness can I actually do this type of moment 
because we all get them, don't we? Mm, totally. Um, Daily. <laughs> but the answer was, yes, I will do that. Because two reasons. One, I'm inherently a people pleaser. So the answer generally is yes. Anyway. <laughs> but secondly, I thought this is a real opportunity here. This is fantastic. So we did it. We were awarded the contract. We set up a team of 30 people, management, supervisors. We had them all trained to the exact standards that you would expect to see in a nuclear regulated environment. Really great team, which I handpicked all of the people for, along with a great team who were working alongside me as well. And we started boots on the ground on day one. And I was there and it, it was just a real pinch me moment to look mm. around and say, wow, look at what we've created here. Look at what I've led. And I was so proud of that moment, really, really proud of that because it was the first time I felt I'd been in control of a full end-to-end project. And actually, we still have that contract now. And oh, wow. Nine years in because we've delivered a fantastic service on there. We've got the same manager on there that we had at the very beginning. Yeah, and he's, he's, his role has grown and he's doing exceptionally well. We've got extra services on that contract and site now as well. And it's testament to the team that we've got there. But we also have some of the same original team members still with. Oh, wow. So I feel like I've been able to really support and help people in their careers to start at Mighty, to take an opportunity for themselves and to still mm-hmm. be there nearly a decade later. It's amazing. And that's what I love. I really love in my role that I get to support people through that. And I get to support people in their development and passionate about people being able to grow their careers too. So that is definitely one of my proudest moments at Mighty. And tell me about this idea of handpicking your team. So you're building a team with, you know, dozens of people and it's for something brand new. What do you look for in those people? So there's definitely an extra sparkle that you're looking for in people. And you'll know from being in the facilities world as well. Not everybody is cut out for the the roles that we have available. And a lot of people apply. We held an open day to actually bring everyone from the local community together to see who would be interested. We had a long process. We had 30 roles. I think we interviewed 250 people. Wow. So what we're looking for, really, there are security roles. And what we say is that, you know, we have many, many excellent security skilled operatives. But for this particular project, it was very customer focused. So we were looking to train the security elements, but we really wanted to focus on the softer skills, the customer Mm -hmm. skills. So we were looking for people to impress us with their communication, with the the research that they've done on the business, the site, the company, with their commitments, with their dedication, and pretty much it, they could talk us through their history of what they've done to prove themselves to be worthy of you know, this position on this very prestigious Mm. location. So we had a lot of crazy interviews where people were completely inappropriate. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So there's that thing where, you know, you you judge people within five seconds of meeting them, but you kind of have to tip that on its head when you're Mm. in that sort of situation, because we had a lot of people where they might have walked through the door and typically they wouldn't look like someone that you'd want in your team. But, you know, asking probing questions and really getting to understand and know them. You're like, wow, this person is going to be a really great fit for team A, team B, you know, and they're going to work with these other people I've I've identified. So again, it's about balancing people's strengths to create a great team. I mean, it's great four separate teams at that point. And 
you know, building a team, A, B, C and D with the strengths to mm. balance what we were looking for really. And, you know, it went really well and it was a great process. It really was a great process. Again, taught me a lot about human behavior, yeah. definitely what not to do in an interview situation for a lot of people, but also the fact that we've got some really, really amazing people potentially in the wrong jobs. We can give them an opportunity. It's so true that it's almost like a jigsaw puzzle that you're putting together. So rather than hiring 30 clones of each other, you're really having to think about how these people will work together to deliver what it is that your client needs. And that attitude bit seems to be at the heart of that as opposed to a skill set, which is really good to hear. I'm glad you picked up on that point about judging in the first five seconds as well, because I've got to say, my whole life, I have been the worst judge of character for all the intuition that I have and everything else. I will love someone in the first five seconds and then gradually realize that they're not my cup of tea a bit later on down the line. And those people that I feel cagey about at the beginning become my best mates. So I think that idea of judging, you've got to almost like override that and be able to give someone an opportunity to show what they're about. Because so many of us wear masks. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I think a good interviewer will uncover that in an interview straight away. I get a lot of CVs. Some of the CVs, I think, wow, this person's amazing. And when they're sat in front of you, you're going, are you the same? (laughs) Someone else has put that CV together quite clearly. But, you know, conversely, people aren't great at putting CVs together, Mm. but when they are in front of you, wow, you know, you give them a job all day long. So you really have got to take the time to make sure that you're doing a proper job as an interviewer. Overriding that judgment at the beginning is such a brilliant one, but also so inspiring to hear you talking about starting as a temp in an organization and then getting an opportunity which you grasp with both hands. And it's been a real stepping stone to where you are today. So That's inspirational for anybody who's starting out in a career or, you know, even returning to work after having children or whatever the situation might be. There's always an opportunity to start at the grassroots level and work up if you've got that tenacity and that drive to do that. So you're almost like a beacon of inspiration there, Leanne. Loving that. So two down. What about the third one? So my third one is more about what I'm doing right now at Mighty and my role as a strategic account director. So I work in the security business of Mighty. Mighty is huge. Mighty has got lots of different services and many, many different clients for those different services. I provide security service at the moment to a large customer right across the UK. We have a very large team in the hundreds supplying those services every day. We started that contract on the 1st of April 2020. And that was, I think, about a week after the lockdown. I remember, yeah. First lockdown. <laughs> so it was a little bit like, ah, what do we do? The customer was obviously busy making their own plans about what that might look like for their business, uh-huh. and how that was going to operate. We were doing the same as a business. We were working in collaboration with that customer to decide what the next few months were going to look like because it might not look like what was awarded in terms of the contract. So we worked really closely with the customer on that and also with all of our teams because Mm. we had a lot of people transfer into Mighty as employees on that day who were very uncertain about what that might look like for them, uncertain about if it was safe to go to work, security 
as you know, was a key yeah. key worker occupation. So was it safe for people to go to work where they needed at work? You know, how was that going to pan out? So my proudest moments in terms of that really came from working with everybody right through that pandemic and still delivering an excellent service to the customer with our team who were phenomenal throughout. You know, they got up every day. They went to work every day. They made sure that customer could operate their business, which again was a key part of the running of the UK without going into too much detail. But they got up and did that every day and they did it with a smile on their face and they did it with a new employer and with their own uncertainty. And we decided very much to work in collaboration with everyone at every level. So we set up different degrees of communication with everybody, whether that was face-to-face visits whether that was roadshows. So I, I personally delivered an annual contract roadshow where we actually went out and sat down and said, look, this is what you've done to contribute mm-hmm. to the clients. And this is what you've done to contribute to Mighty, you know, in that period that you've joined us. And they'd never had that before. Oh, never. God. And, you know, some of the people on our contracts have been on there for 30 years. So this is with the old supplier? Yeah, yeah. So when they move security suppliers, the staff transferred into the new Mm. supplier they keep the length of service through 2p and we have a lot of long serving people on our contracts 20 years 30 years 17 19 you know they're all around that and they've never actually had people sit down with them good grief describe this is what we do this is how you play your part and thank you you know and that was the biggest thing for me was to get out there and to meet as many people as possible and say thank you because it meant a lot to everybody yeah totally to the customer, to them. And we were able to build a really great relationship there. And we still have that great relationship. We still provide an amazing service to the customer. And that comes through from feedback. And our customers mm. are absolutely delighted with the service that they get. And that fills me with pride because that means that I'm doing my job. You're leading it. My ability. But not only that, the team around me. Mm. I have an excellent assurance manager who works along with me as well. And he's just as passionate about getting things right and doing things the right way first time as I am. And we're lucky to have an amazing operations team as well, right up and down the UK, who actually line manage the individuals who work across all of these sites and build that close-knit relationship with as well. So we're really lucky. I'm really lucky to be in this part of the business on this contract at this time in my role and really proud to work for Mighty and, and to do this job. And you do such a great job because one of the challenges through COVID is that idea that obviously key workers need to be on site, but I'm guessing as a leader, it wasn't necessary for you to be on site and and be putting other people at risk all of the time. So how did you manage that transition from being a very kind of hands-on, you know, out in the contract style leader to one that's leading from your desk at home? It's been hard. It's been a challenge really because like you say you know you're used to getting out there and a lot of our clients were not working from site Mm. and our clients did not want us to come to site for that reason as well so to actually go and do those visits which were you know potentially legally unnecessary as well as ethically unnecessary it was hard to do Mm. that but I'm a person with an open door policy so anyone can come to me at any time my emails are always open I make sure I've put communications in place where we are getting people from a site level together on a Zoom on a regular basis so we can see those face-to-face interactions and have that conversation and give people 
an opportunity to air whatever mm. they need to air, positive, negative, anything in between, ask questions of senior management as well, because I always use this phrase, but I'm very much aware that sometimes people are in their own little bubble. Yes. And it's very difficult for them to see life outside of that bubble. So I get to see all parts of Mighty because I'm interacting with lots of different people for different reasons. But when you're doing your job Monday to Friday in the same place, it's difficult to understand what's going on. So we did put that video communication in place very early on to make sure that people knew that they did have access to what they needed to do that. But also so we could let them know what else was going on in the business. When you're dealing with very serious incidents on a site, and we do get very serious incidents, Mm -hmm. You can feel like you're sort of out there on your own dealing with it. And even for the teams, just to know that actually 25 minutes up the road, they also had something happen as well this week. And let's talk about it. Let's let's share what happened. And we've got everyone talking about that. And again, they've never had that before. So I think it's instilled trust and visibility. Yes. Really important within leadership is to have that open trust and, and be visible as well. Yeah, and I really love the way that you've just articulated that because when I hear leaders talk about the fact that they have an open door, that worries me slightly because that puts all the onus on the people that work with them to come and come through the door. And often people aren't prepared to do that. So I always talk to leaders about it's not enough to have an open door. You actually have to step through it and go and engage with your people. And and what you've gone on to say is that you've actually provided those mechanisms for you to connect with your people at all the different levels and share what's going on in that broader context. So it's almost that that builds the trust, your ability to connect and connect them with you builds that trusted relationship, which is making you so successful. Yeah, we do. And we have a newsletter as well, which we issue quarterly. So we like to get a couple of mugshots in there, much to the way <laughs> of people when we're asking for photographs and things. But we interviewed one of our supervisors recently who's got an amazing career pre-Mighty. And it's fascinating to understand the personal side yeah. of people's backgrounds as well. So we do things like that so we can promote other people's visibility as well. But yeah, there's a, a number of things that we put in place to make sure that we are getting out there, sharing the news, giving people an opportunity perhaps to have yeah. their input into things as well. And it's something that, you know, we should be doing anyway as leaders I think you know we should definitely be out there and meeting people and knowing people's names and saying thanks yes and all of that's really important to me yeah and that's that human element of you that comes through in everything that you do so you've talked to us I mean you've given us a kind of a, a career history there really in terms of your proudest moments from that brave decision to go to Mallorca in your teenage years all the way through to the role that you have now One of the questions I've got for you outside of your proudest moments, because I think it's a real inspirational element of of what you do is, I know that you're a mum to gorgeous Charlie and Charlie is coming up to starting school age soon, isn't he? But you also have a husband who has an enormous job and you have an enormous job. So I'm always keen to understand how you create the balance because you know that kind of mum guilt that You know, I have it. Every woman I speak to who's got a child has the mum guilt thing going on. And then when they've got a husband who's got a massive job as well, it's that kind of, how do you do it? Share with us. How do you make it happen? Well, I think I'll probably look back in about five years and say, 
that's how I made it happen. But at the moment, it's a little bit like, how do I make it happen? <laughs> Just happens. <laughs> Organisation clearly is required. And the mum guilt is real. It's a real mm-hmm. thing. However, the way I choose to see it is that you have different areas of your life. So my son is incredibly important. My husband is, my family, my friends. You know, you can make a list that could go on for three, four pages there. <laughs> Every area is as important as one another, you know, and as long as you're prioritising and carving out the time for what's required and organising it, organising your time in that way, I think, am I on the laptop at nine o'clock at night sometimes? Yes. Yeah. I feel bad sometimes because I rush Charlie off to bed so I can get breaks <laughs> on. Yes. But equally, do I feel bad when Charlie gets sent home from nursery like he did last week? Because he was feeling poorly. Do I feel guilty putting the laptop down? No. So I have to juggle it that way. And I have yeah. to come to terms with what is important for me at that time. And as long as I'm communicating, that's really important. Me and my husband have to communicate a lot about he's who's where, where? <laughs> who's doing the drop off, where do we need, you know, one of our mums to step in and help. Yeah. You know, we just have to have this military plan about how it all works and gets put together. But for me, it's about not letting the guilt consume you because yeah. you could easily do that. And you just have to be really mindful about not doing it. And what I love about you as well is that you don't compromise your self-care. So so many women who are juggling all these balls almost put themselves last, but you never do that. You always, well, it's not that you always put yourself first, but you take really good care of yourself. You really look after that kind of self-care, you know, what you look like, all of the good things that you do, your journaling and everything else. You really prioritize that as well as all of the other balls. And I think that's one of the reasons why women who do that can be so successful because they're not heading into burnout all the time. Absolutely. So I always say if you do the inner work, that's the journaling, the personal development, the self-care, you will get the outer results. Yeah. And yeah, it's nice to go and get my hair blown once a week. And I do have a few (laughs) non-negotiables in terms of self-care. But the inner work does get the outer results. Love that. The inner work does get the outer results. We almost need that in a little catchphrase. So, I mean, this might lead into the secret to success then, because it's the big question that I ask everybody towards the end of the podcast and everybody's answer is different, which I love. So what would yours be? My secret to success is not having all of the answers or not believing that you have all of the answers because when you do that, you let your ego take over and there's no room for growth, there's no room for learning and potentially there is room for making the wrong decisions. So always being, I'm going to use the word humble yeah, and always seeking out more in terms of knowledge, information, learning. The secret to success is really understanding the people around you, how they work at work, this I'm talking about. So at work, you know, how everyone operates, what people are motivated by, how you can put together that team, how you can make a success of whatever you're working on, whether Mm -hmm. that's a small project, a large contract, whatever that may be. Don't assume that you know everything and always take the help when it's offered because I think especially women, we want to be seen as superwoman, don't we? Mm-hmm. We want to be seen as the person who can do it all, can have it all, 
doesn't need the help, doesn't need to, you know, show any weakness. And I think showing vulnerability and weakness is something that people resonate with as well. Yes. You know, I think you're showing your leadership skills by almost showing that vulnerability because people can identify with you more and you can help take them on a journey. Yeah, totally. And by doing that, you know, you don't know all the answers and you're not weak. You're just learning and growing. So it's like Mr. Microsoft, the CEO of Microsoft, whose name always escapes me. But he had this phrase about being a learn-it-all rather than a know-it-all. Yeah. And it's that that you're talking about, isn't it? That kind of keep curious, keep learning, don't have all of the answers. Don't feel like you have to because that puts enormous pressure on. Yeah. But also show that vulnerability. Yeah, ask questions. You know, one of the things that I talk to my clients about actually is remember a lot of jargon that goes on in contracts and business speaking everything and I'm not really a jargon person at all. <laughs> so I will ask what I like silly questions like what does that mean? Can you yeah. say what that means? And like about 10 years ago I would have been terrified to say yeah. I don't know what that means. I can't ask and I'd just brush over it and ignore it and then Google it afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever done that? Been there <laughs> so many times. But now I'll just say what actually is that? Yeah. But when when I go into negotiations or a new thing that comes out with, with me customer and I will always say right how can we do this in the most easiest simplest <laughs> efficient way what's the easiest way for us to do this together yeah and we they say oh great Leanne right let's work on it and we come up with the answer and it's great and it's jargon free and we do it and that's I think why why it works so well it's but, like a breath of fresh air I'm sure for many but I would have been scared to do that, Angela, yeah. 10 years ago. I can but totally agree. I just have to know the answers and be the big I am. And I don't need to be that anymore, you know. Yeah, and use all the fancy words that people don't really understand. <laughs> I didn't go to university. I don't have the fancy words. <laughs> You've got a million qualifications, though. You are a learn-it-all. <laughs> yeah. But I think that's it. Just simplicity. Simplicity yeah. in the way you operate as well. Sorry, I'm giving you about three there. Oh, do you know, well, there always is. There always is. But I'm really picking up on the vulnerability piece and that asking for help piece and the being the learn-it-all. And I just want to say thank you to you at this point, because last year when I was in my kind of crisis mode with my husband and his brain injury, you said to me, what is it that you need right now? And I was like, oh my God, I mean, the list is endless in terms of things that I needed back then. And you did the most amazing thing. You did like a weekly shop and you had it delivered to my house at a time where I think I was surviving on like Twixes and double deckers and feeding the kids, God knows what, like quavers and things. And there you were a really thoughtful shop you even bought stuff for Cooper my dog and I remember it arriving and I just cried and just thought oh god I can actually be a decent mum this week because of Leanne so I wanted to say thank you because that just shows how thoughtful you are oh you're so welcome do you know what it's been a long time coming this podcast and you have done yourself proud it's just full of messages of inspiration in a really accessible way you know your career history speaks for itself and you've got to where you've got to because you are brilliantly human and the lessons that you've learned along the way and that you've shared with us will inspire many I'm sure so thank you very much thank you for having me on I will love you and leave you I want you to have a wonderful rest of the day I know that you're struggling with a cough at the moment so I hope that that improves and you get well soon and I will speak to you very very soon take good care Thank you.
And so, just like that, we're at the end of the podcast. I hope you've enjoyed your time listening today. And a big thank you from me for taking the time. I'd really love it if you would be able to leave a review because it really does help us to get noticed. And if you haven't already, why not subscribe and then you never miss an episode. I wish you a lovely rest of the day, whatever it is that you're doing. And I hope that you stay safe and well.